Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and supporting us. It means the world to us. We would like to offer you to become a patron for Mystery Kids Podcast. For $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes. One is going to be an animal facts and the other one is going to be a bonus episode that either someone has chosen, one of the patrons has chosen, or that we will put to vote. As a patron, you'll be able to listen to already episodes that are there. We've got the Underground Railroad, the deepest hole on earth. We've got about the werewolves. We've got um, animal facts about the platypus, the crocodile, and the taipan. And we have the funny story of the Australian emu war. So there's plenty of content that we'd love to share with you. If you want to become a patron, you're going to head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N com backslash mystery kids pod. And that's where you're going to sign up for $5 a month and get that bonus content. Thank you so much again for all your support. On today's episode of the mystery kids podcast, we're going to talk about some strange brothers that had some weird tendencies. Welcome to mystery kids podcast. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Mystery Kids Podcast. If I did not tell you how grateful we are to have you here at every single episode, would it even be the Mystery Kids Podcast? But again, I just want to do a huge shout out. Thank you so much for being here, for supporting us. If you're a patron, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you. It has been a rough year. And so I just appreciate that you guys come here for just more stories. And thank you. I'm not going to cry. I don't know why I'm so emotional tonight, but I'm not going to cry. Anyways, I just want to do a huge shout out for some of our new patrons. If I have missed you at any point in time, please message me. It was probably my bad. Um, if you don't know this, I also am, I guess, an influencer on Instagram and I have a few followers and it's kind of blown up. And so I feel like I'm answering messages all day. And so my brain gets a little bit jumbled and also having ADHD, I feel like my brain, I'll remember something, but if I don't write it down immediately, it's gone. So I try really hard. If I see someone suggest a podcast episode or I see someone say like, Hey, we're patrons or about a birthday. I try to plug it in exactly where it goes. So I don't forget. But if I did forget, please like tell me again. Like I do not mind being told a few times. Anyway, so I just wanted to do a shout out for new patrons, Gemin, Gemin. Oh my goodness, speaking is hard. Gemma, beautiful name, much better than Gemin. Gemma and Max, welcome, welcome. And then Lily and Wyatt, thank you so much. Also, the happiest birthday to Lily. She just turned nine this week. Oh my goodness, I hope you had a beautiful birthday, Lily. Today's episode, I can't remember. I think we were watching a TV show and they brought up this story and I was like, this is weird. You know who would love this? My mystery kids. They would absolutely love this episode. So today we're going to talk about the Collier brothers. Now the Collier brothers, they lived in New York City. They lived uh, in 2078 Fifth Avenue at the corner of 128th Street in New York City. And 
They had some strange behaviors. They like to collect things. Like when I say collecting things, so I am an avid Harry Potter fan, okay? If you don't know this about me, I love Harry Potter. So I collect a lot of Harry Potter things. But these people, they were severe collectors, okay? They like would collect everything, everything that your heart could imagine, right? And so they're known as hoarders because they like to hold on to everything. So literally there'd be little aisles to go through certain places in their house. Now, again, there's nothing wrong. Like this is just one of their tendencies that they had. It's them that had some other strange behaviors. So Homer Lusk Collier and Langley Wakeman, I think it's Collier, um, they are who we are talking about. And so Homer was born in 1881 and Langley was born in 1885. So they were the sons of Herman Collier, um, who was a doctor. And then Susie was the mom, and she was actually a former opera singer. So their ancestors had traveled from England on the Fortune, which is a ship that arrived in Massachusetts a year after the Mayflower. So they were very well known as kind of this rich New York family. Maybe not exactly wealthy, but like rich as in like rich history, rich dynamic, and kind of everyone knew them. So they then, the couple, they lived there in this city and they, that's where they had um, Homer and that's where they had Langley. And one thing that's really interesting is Homer, he was a very well-educated little boy and at the age of 14, he actually was accepted to college. He was accepted to College of the City of New York and he earned his bachelor degree in like six years later. So at the age of 14, most people don't go to college. I know there's college classes you can take in high school. So probably like 17 ish, but like at 14, he was accepted into college. So he was a well, well educated man. So Homer got a degree in admiralty law or maritime law, which is actually a law that talks about nautical issues, which means like boats and like seaborne transport. I didn't know there was like a whole law about that. I swear I learned new things every single week. And Langley, he studied engineering and chemistry. And Langley was also an accomplished concert pianist and he played professionally for a time at Carnegie Hall. So there are so many people that like know of this family. This family is just well-known, very respected family. In 1909, Herman moved the family to a four-story brownstone in the Harlem neighborhood. So this is where they moved into that home that I first talked about. So Dr. Collier was known to be eccentric and was said to be frequently paddled down the East River in a canoe to the hospital where he worked. And then he would carry his canoe back home. I would love to see that. So he'd literally like take a canoe to work. That is not a method of transportation that is talked about enough. So around 1919, Herman and Susie, they separated. So Dr. 
Collier, he moved somewhere else while Susie stayed in the Harlem Brownstone with her boys. Now, Homer and Langley, um, they never chose to marry and they never wanted to live on their own. So they decided to stay with their mother. Well, Dr. Collier died in 1923 and he left all of his possessions to his son, including items from his medical practice. So they brought everything back to the Brownstone home in Harlem. And then Susie, she died in 1929. So she left all the brothers her possessions. And I've kind of seen this recently. So I had my grandma die a couple years ago and my grandpa had passed away a long time before then, I think like 15 years before then. So my grandma not only had her items, but she had stuff for my grandpa's and my grandma had just a lot, (laughs) so much stuff. And so I remember having to go to the house to help clean all of it out. And it's just amazing how many possessions you really do end up with. So especially if you are people who have a tendency to hold on to a lot of items. And so I can imagine that these brothers, they just ended up with so many family possessions that they didn't really know what to do with them. And it it probably meant something to them because they were attached to their parents. So they continue to live in this Harlem brownstone. And when I'm talking about a brownstone, it literally means that it's like a tall house. Like it has lots of levels in it um, because in New York, everything's kind of squishied. Um, Whereas like I live in a one level flat house. This is a house that has multiple levels in it, but it's kind of squished because it's like, it's more like an apartment or a condo versus a house because it's like connected to other houses, but it is a house there. So they had this brownstone and for the next four years the brothers continued to talk to people they still had their friends and they left their home on a regular basis and in fact homer he continued practicing his nautical law while langley worked as a piano dealer where you deal pianos I didn't know that was a thing, but he was a piano dealer. (laughs) So both taught Sunday school at the Trinity Church. And then in 1933, Homer lost his eyesight due to hemorrhages in the back of his eyes. I could imagine that would be really difficult to handle. And so Langley actually quit his job to take care of his brother. And what happened was they began to withdraw from society. So as time progressed, the brothers became fearful due to changes in the neighborhood and the largely upper class area, it changed dramatically due to the economic effects effects of the Great Depression, because that was like smack dab in the Great Depression time. So the brothers were really uncomfortable about their new neighbors. They were uncomfortable with, um, I guess, people that had less money or there was more theft happening in their area. And so it made them very, very nervous. So they decided to shut off from the world. And Langley actually said at one point that we don't want to be bothered. We just don't want to be bothered. We don't want to talk to other people. We don't want to have relationships with them. We just want to be left alone. So a lot of people were like, this is very, very strange and unconventional. It wasn't normal for people just to kind of shut themselves in. And crowds of people began to just come outside their home and be like, oh, that's where, that's where the Collier brothers live, right? And this actually made them even more anxious. 
right? It made them so nervous. And a lot of teenagers would actually go and like throw rocks at their windows. So they started boarding them up and they wired the door shut. And after rumors kind of spread around the neighborhood that the brothers' homes contained valuables and large large sums of money, they were just hiding all this money and valuables in their house, several people actually tried to rob their house. I'm sure that this made the brothers even more uncomfortable at the time. So an attempt to make sure that burglars didn't get in, Langley actually was really smart and he used his engineering skills to construct booby traps and tunnels among the collection of items and trash that filled the house. So the house soon became this maze of boxes, complicated tunnel systems consisting of junk and trash that was rigged with trap wires. Now, Homer and Langley, they lived in a nest that was created among the debris that was piled to the ceiling. So I I don't even know if you can imagine this. Um, You'll have to look up some photos. I I can hopefully link some below. The website's still in repair. Um, But like there are pictures of this and this whole area because I don't think it's truly something you can imagine unless you see it because it's just from floor to ceiling books musical instruments like doctor items like all of these things that they've now collected and kind of surrounded themselves with it kind of reminds me in Moana where you've got the big crab in it and he like likes all the shiny like all the pretty things and he just like hoards all of it and sticks it to him it's kind of what it probably was like for them it was part of their home and it probably made them feel more comfortable to have things around them so Langley he actually spent majority of his time like tinkering um to try to make various inventions he tried to create a device to vacuum the inside of piano that's kind of cool while he was sitting there caring for his brother who couldn't see. Langley later told a reporter that he fed and bathed his brother, he read to him, he played piano for him, and he was always worried about his health. And he really wanted to cure his brother through a diet and rest. And so his concoction for a diet for his brother was consisting of trying to, um, I'm trying to say it like straight faced while I say this, 100 oranges a week, 100 oranges. I just canned a couple weeks ago, I just canned oranges and I canned like a whole bag of them, which took me forever. And it made like several jars, but I was just like 100 oranges. That is so many oranges, especially for one person to eat. I would so be oranged out at that point. And black bread, which is, I'm going to look this up. Um, It is a Jewish rye bread. So it's kind of denser because it's made with a like heavier wheat powder and then peanut butter. And he was claiming that this regimen was going to cure Homer's blindness. So Homer actually became paralyzed and he did not want to go to any more doctors because both the brothers started distrusting doctors, which is very strange since their dad was a doctor. But the brothers feared that if Homer sought this medical attention, doctors would like cut open his eyes and it would leave him permanently blind, like so that they would never 
be able to cure him, and they were worried that the drugs would hasten his death and make him die faster. Langley actually said to a reporter, you must remember that we're sons of doctor. We have a medical library of 15,000 books in this house. 15,000 books in that house. Oh my goodness. We decided we would not call any doctors, you see, because we knew too much about medicine. So they figured we know a lot about medicine. We're just going to handle this by ourselves. So if this isn't like an interesting story enough, there is more because it would not be a good strange story without it. So Langley, he actually began to venture out of the house only after midnight and he would walk all over the city to try to get food for his brother. I'm sure it was difficult to try to get hundred oranges a week, but yeah. Also, this wasn't in the time where like Walmart stayed open and there were like all these all night grocery stores. Right. So he would only go out at night because he was so nervous about people watching him during the daytime. And he didn't want people to know when his brother was going to be alone. So he would actually go pick out food out of the garbage and collect food that was being thrown out by grocers and butchers to bring back home to his brother. So by the early 1930s, the Collier brothers' brownstone had fallen into disrepair. Their telephone was disconnected in 1937. This is back when like your telephone like hooks. I'm, so, I'm sure so many parents are like laughing at this point. But when your telephone actually like hooked to the wall, this was way before cell phones. Cell phones were created in my time, which now makes me feel really old saying that but their telephone was disconnected and it was never reconnected again the brothers were like we have no one to talk to why would we need a phone i mean think about it saving you some money on your phone bill right and then because the brothers failed to pay their payments the electricity the water and the gas were turned off in 1938 so they took to warming the house only with this small kerosene heater and for a time langley actually would try to generate electricity with the means of a car engine um he was super smart right langley would fetch the water from a pump in the nearby park can you imagine how you go out of your house to go get water because they didn't even have running water in their house i'm sure that didn't help the situation and their only link to the outside world was this little radio that langley had made so neighbors and shopkeepers in the area describe langley as just this really nice rational man um he was a bit crazy but he was super polite he was soft-spoken he he his appearance was always disheveled and he had this droopy mustache um and he wore like a boating cap and tattered clothes that were held together by pins and so he when he went out of the house he rarely talked to other people and Homer had scarcely been seen or heard from since he went blind um, in 1933. So Langley was fiercely, fiercely protective of his brother. He actually caught some neighbors attempting to peek into their windows from a neighboring home. Langley bought the property. So he was like, if you're going to look in from other windows, I'm just going to buy that house right there. Okay, so he bought the property for $7,500 in cash. Okay, first of all, how great would it be to be back in that time where you could pay that much and get a whole house out of it? But we are not there. But like that was rational to him. Mind you, they have now had their water, electricity, and gas turned off because they refused to pay their bills. 
And now he just goes and buys an entire house in cash. So now when a small fire broke out in their home, in their home, not the one they bought, in their home in 1941, Langley refused to let firemen who extinguished the fire. So they came in, they extinguished the fire. They, he would not let them talk to his brother. They would not let him see him. They would not let him talk to him. So before Homer went blind, he actually had purchased a lot across the street from their house. Um, and he was going to put in an apartment building. But then he became blind and he kind of ended his venture with that. So the Collier brothers, they never paid any of their bills and they stopped paying their income taxes in 1931. So the property was repossessed by the city of New York in 1943 um, to pay back the 1,900 in back income taxes that the Colliers owned. So Langley protested the repossession of their property, saying since they had no income, they should not have to pay income taxes. I mean, I feel like it's, it makes sense, but not according to the city of New York City. So while rumors and legends abounded in Harlem about the brothers, they came to like, even more attention and even more scrutiny when in 1938 a story about the their refusal to sell their home to a real estate agent for $125,000 appeared in the New York Times. The Times um, just kind of told about the brothers' hoardings, um, about how they would collect these random things that they were just living on vast piles of cash that they were too afraid to deposit in the bank. These rumors weren't true, but I'm sure that made them even more nervous. So once this like report ran, Langley actually stopped playing professionally at Carnegie Hall because he kept getting followed by people and he was so worried that he was going to get robbed by someone. Then they went back on the news again in 1939 um, where two people, um, they went to go remove the two gas meters that had been shut off and they were met with hostility from the brothers. Um, The incident was publicized and it drew thousands of people to on look from outside their apartment and the brothers drew media attention again in August 1942 when the Bowery Savings Bank threatened to evict the Colliers for failing to pay their mortgage for three years. Mind you they could literally just buy a property but they weren't paying their own mortgage. I'm so confused. So that same year, the New York Herald Tribune um, interviewed Langley and in a response to the query about the bundles of newspapers that were kept in the brother's home. And Langley said, I'm saving newspapers for Homer. So when he regains his sight, he can catch up on the news. So that's why he was hoarding and keeping and holding on to all these newspapers so that his brother wouldn't miss out on the news, which is kind of sweet if you think about it. So in November of 1942, the Bowery Savings Bank, they began their eviction procedures, which if you don't know this, eviction takes a long time to process. Literally, someone could not be paying for to stay in your property and it could take a long time to figure out. So they actually sent this cleanup crew to their home. And that's when Langley began to yell at the workers and the neighbors called the police. 
Now, when the police tried to get into the home by smashing down the front door, they were stymied by a sheer wall of junk piled from floor to ceiling. So they found out that Langley in the clearing he had made in the middle of the debris. So he had this clearing in the middle of the debris, but they couldn't get through because he had like basically built out a wall. So without a comment, Langley made out a check for $6,700, which in 2021 was the same as $111,116. Might even more than that. Um, But... (laughs) Like he just wrote out this check so he could pay the mortgage in full in one single payment. Why didn't he do that? He then ordered everyone off the premises and withdrew again, emerging only at night. Um, and when he wanted to file criminal complaints against intruders, get food or collect items that would pique his interest. Now, on March 21st, 1947, there was an anonymous tipster who called. His name was Charles Smith. Um, I put quotations around that because they don't really know who called. Um, He phoned into the police and he said, I'm pretty sure there's a dead body in that house, in the brownstone house. The caller claimed that there was a smell of decomposition that was coming from the house and the police were used They were so used to calls and complaints from the brother's home, but they were like, okay, we'll send a police officer over there. The responding officer, he really had a difficult time getting into the house, like everybody else. There was no doorbell or telephone, and the doors were locked, and though the basement windows were broken, they were protected by like these iron grates. An emergency squad of seven men eventually had no choice but to begin pulling out all the junk that was blocking their way and throw it out into the street below. The Brownson foyer was packed solid with a wall of old newspapers, folding beds, and chairs, half a sewing machine, boxes, parts of a wine press, and numerous other pieces of junk. A patrolman finally broke in through a window in the second story bedroom. And behind this window, among all the other things, more packages, newspapers, bundles, cardboard boxes lashed together with rope, the frame of a baby carriage, a rake, an old umbrella tied together. After five hours of digging, Homer's body was finally found. He was found in an alcove surrounded by filled boxes of newspaper that were piled as high as the ceiling. Oh, that would be so hard. (laughs) Plus, it took him five hours just to find him. They believed that Homer had passed away. He had been dead for approximately 10 hours that he had died from starvation and heart disease. So the police were like, okay, where's the brother in this? Because the brother very rarely left him alone. And so they kind of wondered if the anonymous tip came from the brother. And in fact, they, they thought that maybe he had been the one that had killed him. Um, but when they held a funeral in Homer's honor, the, he never came. And that, I I can't imagine like not going to support your brother. So they actually believed that Langley had passed away as well. So through all of this, they continued to clean out the house. Um, They removed 3000 books, several outdated phone books. This is the back. The phone books are really big and they have lots of numbers in them. Um, So because I just realized that none of you probably know what a phone book is. Um, A horse's jaw a Steinway piano, an early x-ray machine, 
and more and more and more bundles of newspaper. It's reported that more than 19 tons, 19 tons of junk were removed from the ground floor of the Brown House. It's not even the whole That was just the ground floor. The police continued to clear away the brother's stockpile for another week, removing another 84 tons of trash and junk from the house. Although a good deal of the junk came from their father's medical practice, a large portion of it was discarded items that had been collected by Langley over the years. Now, there were about 2,000 people that stood outside the home to watch this massive cleanup happen. So Homer died on March 21st, right? That's when the call came in. On April 8th, the same year, April 8th, a workman found the body of Langley. He was 10 feet away from where Homer had passed away. 10 feet away and they had no idea he was there for another month. Can you imagine how much stuff had to have been in there? Langley was found with, uh, found inside a two foot wide tunnel lined with rusty bed strings and a chest of drawers. That's so sad. So, um, they actually think that he might've passed around, passed away first. Um, so that's, they believe that he passed away, um, like a week or so before Homer did. And that's why people were alerted to go to the house. And then that's why his brother passed away. Cause he wasn't there to take care of them. Oh my gosh. What? Oh, that makes me so sad. So they think what actually happened was that Langley was crawling through this tunnel to take food to his brother when he he accidentally tripped on one of his own booby traps. This is like a Pirates of the Caribbean meets New York quarters type thing. Um, and he was so by his own booby trap, he was crushed to death. Oh, that's so sad. So in total, they removed about 120 tons of junk and other items from the Brownstone home. Um, There were just the most random things that you could possibly find in this house. Um, There was more than 25,000 books. Um, Just like all these things. So there are things that were collectibles, but there was also just a lot of garbage. And near the spot where Homer died, police had found 34 bank account passbooks um, with a total of about $3,007 in it, which today would be about $41,785. Some of the unusual items are um, were on exhibit at the Hubert's Dime Museum, um, and they they just kind of had held on to things to centerpiece and to show off this crazy story of this private collector. So the brownstone it, it had. I mean, obviously gone a long time without maintenance. It was decaying. The roof was leaking. Some walls had actually caved in in the home. Um, Bricks were showering in and mortar were coming into the rooms below. So the house was deemed unsafe and a fire hazard in July of 1947. And it was completely taken down and demolished later that month. So most of the items were deemed as worthless. Um, They were able to raise some money off of like a few things that they were able to claim. And then they had some 
first and second cousins come along and said that they were family members to collect some of the estate, um, which they kept having to be like, you've got to prove to us that you're part of this family. You don't just get to come in and claim money. Just the most craziest story. Um, it was probably just a really sad time for for those brothers um, who were smart and educated and they were in the middle of the Great Depression and probably just didn't know how to pull out from this medical trauma that happened to them. So anyways, I found this story to be so interesting, so fascinating. I hope you were interested in it as well. And um, they actually have still... Um, they have a Collier Brothers Park in New York City, which they have left. It's like a little gated little park, like where the Brownstone house used to be. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate you so much. And we'll see you next time on the Mystery Kids Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>